Heading into this game, there was an air of desperation creeping into the club. With one win in nine and the team falling down the table, the World Cup break couldn't come quick enough after the Watford game. However, a 94th minute winner and an own goal secured all three points and sent Royals fans scrambling for the You've Been Paul Lynch videos to taunt the whole fans on social media. Welcome to episode 316 of the Tyler Stem podcast. I am very much your stand-in host, Ben Thomas, and I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by our foreign correspondent, Marco Bader. How's it going, sir? Hi, Ben. Nice to be here, like always. Good, good, good stuff. We're going to talk a little bit uh, in a minute about the whole game, which saw us pick up three points, as mentioned. But before we do that, a huge shout-out to our sponsors and our patrons who have provided us all the way through this season and previous seasons with some very, very kind donations indeed, which helps us keep going uh, and doing what we're doing in terms of articles, in terms of these podcasts and everything else. So thank you so much to all of our sponsors and our supporters in that way. And let's get into the large match recap. Come rain or shine, it's time to relive the latest match action with the recap. This podcast is sponsored by ZCZ Films, Reading's oldest ultras. Right, Marco, basically this game saw us banish the hoodoo of Yorkshire. We've had two absolutely horrendous results, both 4-0 reverses actually earlier in the season. Um, And the last time we won at Hull was when the PlayStation 1 was released. So we're going back quite a few (laughs) years, really. Um, I I guess kind of backtracking a little bit, after the Watford game... um, there was quite a lot of doom and gloom, and I think uh, fans were kind of, including me, quite desperate for the for the World Cup break to start, and and very few people kind of um, picked us to to get three points. We managed to do that. Fantastic result, given the you know the the, the form that we've been in recently. Um, I, I guess really that the first place to start is is the four changes made from Watford. Um, so what what did you what did you make of those changes, Marco? Well, first of all, I think two of them were mainly due to injuries. You no, know, um, Brzezanis for Lamley and, and, well, if you can compare, then Hoyle played uh, not in the same position like Hutchinson, but he came in for him and it meant the uh, change in the system. So these two changes were yeah, more or less logical. Now the other two were um, Meiti for Ajaria and, and Long for Joao, which I also could understand so um they weren't such a big surprise I and mean, obviously after um such a negative run you need to change something and i mean we've, we've talked also a lot about lucas gao and no one doubts his qualities but he's this kind of player that that he's very good when he's positive when when everything around him is positive so if you find him in a contrary situation then probably um it might be worse to give someone like Shane Long a, a start, especially also if you, I don't know if that was an idea behind, but if you play the 3-5-2 system, then um, and you have only one player on each wing, then maybe it was also an, a part of, of the idea behind the tactical change that you have um, two strikers that are a bit more quicker. Um, not to say the draw isn't that quick, but he's also big strong center forward so yeah maybe that was also behind um the idea to to start with Meite and long and um so overall i i was well i would say i was it didn't surprise me 
too much that these uh, four changes were made and and I could understand them. Yeah, I mean, I guess that you know the biggest loss we we knew Lumley wouldn't play any part in the game, having suffered that injury quite early on against Watford. Um, I guess Hutchinson was was always a doubt really in terms of coming back from injury and then and then you know kind of going off again. Um, and and I think for me, you know, Hutchinson is is the big loss out of that really. You know, aside from Lumley, it was it was interesting maintaining long play up front, and I think you know there was a little bit more aggression there. There was a little bit more kind of mobility up front. So, you know, from from Paul Lintz's point of view, being able to call on these players, which, you know, to, to be honest, he's made some bizarre comments about the depth of the squad and, and the starting eleven and, and the backup over the last few weeks, which, you know, has, has left quite a few of us scratching our heads. To to bring, certainly to bring, you know, Hoylet, Mate and Long in, um, no disrespect to, to Buzanas, but we knew that was going to happen anyway. You know, it's, it's, it's quite a feat, really, considering where we've been over the last sort of two, three seasons with with strength and depth. And, you know, certainly first half, we, we weren't brilliant. We got back into the game, um, you know, nice goal from from Mate. And it, it kind of looked like one of those games that was going to peter out, really, um, until, of course, you know, the, the the ball got swung in. Andy Carroll knocked the ball back and it was it was an own goal, you know, delicious own goal, really, as, as own goals go, go for us. Um, what Overall, what did you... What did you make of the performance? Because obviously, you know, it was we got the three points, so you could say on paper it was a huge improvement that, that you know to the week uh, against Watford. But what did you what did you make of the overall performance that you saw, Marco? Well, I, I think in one interview of Paul Paul Ince, um he was saying that the, the, the performance probably um, away at Burnley was was better than the one we 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 showed against Halso. And I would say he's right with that. Um, the performance of obviously was was okay, so nothing nothing big to criticize. But I think in the end we would just that we had just that big big, big part of, of luckiness that we were missing the weeks before. And um, I think fair to say that for at least during the half or the first half, um, I would have settled for a draw. I would have been happy with it. So um, for me. When ahead of the game, uh, I was hoping just not to lose. That was my my first feeling. So to win it in the end is, is just fantastic, and especially now with this with this big World Cup break, even more important to have this three points in your back. And um, yeah, so I I would say that um, in in terms of the performance, um, it it was a solid one. Um, to be fair, if they when they were already lo- uh, leading one nil, they had big chance to to score a second one which i was nearly thinking they will they will do because the opportunity was was just uh yeah amazing or a big surprise that they missed that so we couldn't have we couldn't have complained too much if we were 2-0 behind although our performance was not that bad so to win it in the end it's even better and um but in i would also say that uh, the, the key to that win was to have a bit more luck than, than we had in recent weeks. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned luck because Paul Lentz kind of mentioned the the Burnley game of previous weeks and and, and maybe some of the decisions that, that hadn't gone against us, um, or rather had gone against us. You know, one of the one of the key decisions in the game was obviously the Hendrick tackle, and we're we're going to talk about Hendrick in, in isolation in just a moment. But you know, looking at the stats, we had exactly the same shots on target. Uh, to them, same shots off target, but th- but this is really telling for me, Marco. We had thirty five percent of the possession 
Um, and, and it really shows you that 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 win was was an ultimate smash and grab. You know, we, we're kind of getting to to the latter stage of the game. And, and as you kind of briefly touched upon, I think most people, given the form and given where we were heading in, in over the next month with no games, that a draw probably would have, wouldn't have been the worst result in the world. You know, it keeps us ticking over just a little bit. But to then get all three points really was, um, you know, <laughs> to, to quite pull into the icing on the cake, really. And and I guess it, it, it changes the the mood and the perception a little bit of the fan base going into the World Cup. Do you do you think that this win kind of puts to bed the the bad form that we've seen, or the, the you know the, the kind of the one win in in nine that we saw previously, or do you? I guess it's hard to say, but do you anticipate some of these problems still occurring when we come back in, you know, in the middle of December? Well, I would say that in general, this team is capable to to beat nearly every opponent, but on the other hand, also to lose against any one of them. So I, I remember um, talking after the, I think it was after the QPR and and QPR game and, and the Norwich draw, um, where we really showed great performances, where the reactions were more like, okay, we are, we are capable of, of um, seeing these this kind of opponents of, of the upper class, uh, the upper... Um, parts in the in the league, um, we can we can see them on eye level. So we can also we are able to beat them. So um, and I still think that we are capable of doing that. But on the other hand, we are also capable of losing some some of the easier games, like well, West Brom at home after they changed or affect the manager was was never going to be easy. But um, you would have expect us to win that game at home. Um, so the performances during that that part of the season showed that we are we are missing this kind of of stability. Maybe um, it will be definitely interesting to see if if the injured players return. If these the, these players can give us more stability, um, I also think that there's a big bunch of teams that is, has more or less the same level. So little things decide whether you win it or do you lose it. And um, so looking into the future, then, uh, yeah, I can still imagine that we might have some games in a row that we can't win. Um, I would expect us also to win some games in a row. So uh, that's, that's fair to say that the same thing is, is I would say, is possible in a positive way. Um, I think the, the main thing will be the, the, the quantity of injured players. And... Um, also, the 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 way we come out of this break, you know, if if we if we come out of this break losing the first two matches, and then we will be directly again under pressure, and then we will the 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 Hull win will will have nearly no effect anymore. Um, but if, on the other hand, we start after that break with some good results, then I honestly think that can be a turning point, and then we can. Move again, maybe more into the into the upper half of the team. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. You, you know, you talked about stability, and um, we'll, we'll kind of come to that in a minute. But particularly with two players that I want to focus on. But you know, the, the, I was talking to someone who um, a friend of mine is a, is a QPR fan, and, and we were saying last week how crazy this league is. And I I don't remember in the ten years that we've we've been now effectively stuck in this league and um, it being as open as it as it has been um it, it's quite phenomenal really when you look at the table how congested it is 
Um, you know, you've got a couple of teams sort of getting a bit cut adrift at the bottom there. But generally speaking, you know, you've, you've got some really, really, um, you know, compacted teams in terms of points. You know, us ourselves, we're, what, two points off the playoffs um, and kind of around about six off, off the relegation zone. So, you know, there, there's <laughs> still work to be done. Um, but, I, you know, for me, at the start of the season, if you said, right, we get to the World Cup break, we're on 29 points and we're, we're 12th probably would have slapped your hand off for that. So, you know, all in all, forget the previous form. It's not been as horrendous as we probably thought it was going to be. Um, you know, talking talking of stability, one of the things that's, that's come up repeatedly this season is, uh, you know, the central midfield spot or, or, or the spots. And for me, we haven't really got it right. And and one guy that's that's kind of started to come into the firing line a little bit is, um, is Jeff Henrik. What... What do you make of his his recent performances um, and his season as a whole, Marco? Yeah, that's a difficult one. <laughs> um, because, um, first of all, I would say that my opinion won't differ much um, to, to all the other ones. Um, there are games where, I, where you ask yourself, okay, was it that make some start again no because uh, there were some games where you just felt that maybe he, he was one of our weakest parts and um on the other hand it seems that all the other players that have played in midfield um, that ins at least doesn't see them in this sen- and d- that deeper central role um so it's it's diff- difficult to say if it's uh, if he keeps him all the time because he has no other real option of players he likes in that position, or if he sees something more into his performances. Um, of, of course, sometimes in this position in a deeper midfield role, you, you find players that are more or less anonymous and that are not so much participating into the offensive play. They are only playing the short passes. Um, I remember in that case, not, not to compare uh, Hendrik with, with Tony Kroos, but uh, I remember uh, Kroos also being criticized for sometimes just playing this these easy short passes which are without yeah, being being very effective to, to any goal opportunity. So sometimes a player in this situation due to the effect of what you need there is a bit more anonymous but um, I'm still thinking that um, a fresh leg there in that position wouldn't wouldn't be the worst thing and um, who knows I don't know if, if maybe the, the fact of uh, having many other players back um, might lead also to the to a situation where I don't know we see Tom McIntyre in that, um, in that position I would it would be interesting to see him maybe as well. So overall, yeah, I would say it surprises me as well that he started that often. And I'm I'm not uh, totally happy with uh, how he felt that filled that position. But um, yeah, I I would like to see someone else playing in that position as well. So we'll see if if there is at one point of the season moment to to change. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, there is obviously a player in there somewhere. Um, I think my frustration really is that the combination of 
Loom, Fauna, Hendrick, it hasn't quite worked this season in the same way that it didn't quite work last year with, you know, Renamota. Um, Drinkwater obviously came for a lot of stick from, from our fans kind of around January, February time. <clears throat> and, and obviously Loren as well. So it's it, it's a problem position. It's not just this season, but it's it's been um, over the course of the last sort of two or three seasons, really. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that plays out and, and whether or not we could potentially get someone else in on a free short term. I'm not I'm not sure that's even possible in January, but it, it, I think you're right. That would be a position I'd look at and say, we probably need to shake that up a little bit and, and get some more um, stability in there. Um, one guy on the other end of the of the kind of the prey spectrum, if you like, is in Benge, who has really had, um, you know, I say a breakout season, but he's he surprised a lot of people with the way that he's played. Um, you know, player that that I confess I didn't know very much about at all before he joined us. If probably never heard of him actually. Um, what do you what do you make of of kind of his? Uh, I say uptick in form, but his kind of performances in general, how he's adapted to life and championship, um, and generally kind of where you see him uh, playing in terms of his best position for the for the remainder of the season. Well, first of all, I have to say that I obviously I didn't know him as well, so um, yeah, he's a big surprise. Um, sometimes the players where you don't really expect great things are are the most positive ones, um, and and like we talked before, it reminds you a bit of Henry BK. Um, who was also in some way playing, had the same style of playing at least uh, with his tackles, with his uh, aggressive way of of uh, playing in the defense. But he's doing it in a in a more intelligent way, maybe. And and another positive indicator is um, I don't remember if it was last game or, or one of the games before when. Um, Tom Holmes give him some 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 indications, and so he, he seemed also a player who listens to the others, who is um, trying to find his place in the team, is trying to integrate himself, and so really really um, a positive surprise. And my feeling is that um, if if I only concentrate on Mbenge, that he his best position might be uh, the one in a defense of three on the right side where he has two other players um, maybe around him. Well, he can obviously play on the left like he did against Hull. But um, yeah, he's, he's, for me, he's not the one in, in, in the central position. Um, and uh, in the defense of four, maybe he is, hasn't, this, he's still is missing a bit of this, that... Um, yeah, relaxedness is this way of uh, leading a defense there together with, with Tom Holmes or someone else. So, um, yeah, I would say in, in terms of the position, he, he one of the the, um, the spots on the right or on the left in a defense of three suits him best. I think the key thing, Marco, is that he gives us a bit of flexibility, doesn't he? And he, he gives us options. Yeah. Um, how flexible he will need to be uh, is, is, <laughs> is still to be told, I guess. Um, I guess it depends on in, injuries elsewhere. But, you know, we've we, we've had issues with uh, centre-backs being injured and, you know, a bit of... Um, a bit of fluidity in in the back line, so he, he, he's a great player to have. Um, I know that a lot of people call him for him to have a, a longer term contract, which I, I guess is is possible. Um, but he, you know, he looks all right. He looks the kind of player that we used to scout years and years ago. Um, you know, kind of almost an unknown and, and coming in and, and doing a good job. So 
you know, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out for him and obviously the, you know, the defence in general, really. Um, before we move on to Ince's quotes, I just want to give um, a bit of a shout out, really, I guess, to Yaku Mate. It was 150th appearance at the weekend, Marco, which is quite an achievement given um, the way that, that the team has performed over the last couple of seasons, given the way that, that his injuries have, have kind of befallen him as well. Um, what, what do you make of him overall as a as a kind of player? You know, he's been with us for a while now. Came from uh, PSG, was was on loan for a little bit of the early part of his Reading career. But you know, how do you how do you rate him in the in the current crop of of players that we've got? Yeah, obviously it's good to see him back and getting getting some games under his belt because um, the the last season was pretty much of stop and go so he he had this long injury he came back was injured again so um he he didn't have any any continuity in in terms of playing so and and that's something you you could feel or you could see on the on pitch um once he was fit again and was playing so it was not the same Yakomete we we knew from from his time before and it's normal after such a long period of being injured um you need some time and um talking about flexibility i think mate has also a, a good point in terms of flexibility he's able to play like he did uh, against Hall in up front directly as a central striker he it's possible to play him maybe in an attack of three also on the right or left side so he gives us also some flexibility he's he's fast he's quick but he's also physically strong so um i would say that um i well, I better say i hope that um with with the season as long as the season goes and, and especially next year um hopefully having mate like two three four months uh match fit um i really hope that he'll get even stronger and he'll score even yeah, some goals more and and um, have a bigger impact on our offensive play. So um, yeah, I, I really hope that he he continues uh, the way he he did against Hull with his passion, with his runnings. And then I would be hopeful that we'll we'll see also some more goals of him. I think it's like I say, you know, you spot on there with the passion comment. You, you know, you're going to get 100 percent from him. Um, you're not always going to get the end product, but you know he's going to be a nuisance when he does play to, to opposition players. Um, and he, he, you know, the old football cliche, but he plays with a lot of heart. Um, and and you know he's he's loved by the club, by the fans. So you know, long may it continue. And I think realistically, the the international break, as I'm calling it, I'm not calling it the World Cup break. I'm going to try and call it the international break. Um, will will help him out, and he'll recover a little bit and, and be ready to go again when it comes to to Coventry on the 10th of December. Um, we're going to hear from Paul Ince now. His quotes uh, taken directly after the whole game, and then we're going to be right back with some news bites for you. Up on it, you know, the lab been asking his players to keep going to the well time and time again. Saturday, Tuesday, Friday. You know, no one's played three games in a week twice apart from us. Um, so again, the last 15 minutes, we're dead on our feet, but we keep going. We got, you know, we've got this fire and the desire to stay in the game. So. The lads who will be here, they'll be going away for a week with their families and, you know, and for family, family deserves and just, and it's not just the legs, it's the mind, you know, just recharge the mind. The mind becomes tired and you become mentally tired. That's probably worse than anything. So, you know, they go away, get their rest. And when we come back and we go to Tenerife, then we'll have more depth, you know, in our squad. Hutch will be back, Nami will be back, Liam Moore will be back, Tom Mack will be back, Joe Lumley will be back. And, you know, hopefully in January we might be able to get a couple more in. So... 
professional squad up. I mean, having Naby back and Liam would be like having you know, two new players, really, when you think about it. Um, and that can take us into the, into the rest of the season. So, yeah, let's looking forward to the break. For all the latest Reading news, analysis and opinion, visit the website at thetilehurstend.com. OK, so news bites are very, very brief this week, actually. We're going to start with the women, first of all. They've got a big game coming up at Aston Villa away on Sunday. Uh, so it's a good opportunity for them to, to try and get some more points on the board. It's been a very, very difficult season for Kelly Chambers and our squad up until this point. But hopefully they'll be able to hit a bit of form after this international break that the women are currently in and ready to go again against Villa. Uh, the under-21s, Noel Hunt's team, they lost to Wolves 2-1, um, which has kind of compounded really there. That, you know, the form's not been great for them. Previous game, they lost to Swansea 3-0, so they really are in need of a bit of a pickup there. They play Cardiff away on the 25th of November. Um, the under-18s, well, they've had a massive gap, really, almost a month gap. They actually go to Ipswich Town this current Saturday. So they'll be looking to get some more points on the board to help them build in their league as well. Now, obviously, from Reading's point of view, we are going to come back to this in just a little bit. But we've had three players picked for the World Cup. We've got Loon, who's off with Senegal to Qatar. Uh, we've got Baba Rahman, who's in uh, with the Ghana squad. And obviously, my man, Junior Hoylet, who is off to Qatar with Canada. Interestingly, he had almost not picked for Ghana. So we're going we're gonna to unpick that in a little bit more in our World Cup preview shortly. Um, but we're going to dive into the mailbag now, Marco, if that's all right. We've got a few questions to, to go over. Uh, we're going to hear from our sponsors very quickly and then we'll be back with the mailbag. Keep up to date with all things Reading FC. Follow the Tilehurst End on Facebook and Twitter. Okay, so first question for you, Marco, comes in from our very good friend, uh, Valdemar. He says, if all the injuries were uninjured, or rather, if all the injured were uninjured, uh, if you can keep up with that one, what would be the best Reading eleven, and what formation would they play? I mean, that is a huge question. Uh, first of all, the <laughs> fact that we would have players that weren't injured is a, is a very alien concept to people at Reading Football Club at the moment. But also, what formation would they play? Um, so I'm going to let you tackle that one, Marco, if that's all right. <laughs> Difficult. We could you nearly put a formation uh, of only injured players and that would be nearly as strong. Um, well, uh, difficult to say and go. I think that's, that's more or less the easier one with Lomley. Um, I have to say that personally, I, I have never been a big fan of a 3-5-2 system, but um, maybe it's, it's the system that suits us most. I don't know. Um, like we were talking before, um, uh, due to the fact that I, ha- I wasn't that happy with with Jeff Hendrick in in that deeper central midfield position, um, I don't know if if it would lead to my favorite uh, formation. But uh, I would be interesting to see uh, interested to see uh, Tom McIntyre performing in that role. I think he would be capable of doing well there. And um, as we have some interesting. Uh, defensive players uh, coming back from their injury that uh, would give us also some space there. So um, I would probably stick with a three-five-two system, um, playing Holmes in defense and uh, having hopefully Navi Sar back. And uh, yeah, due to his good performance, I would keep also Amadou and Benge. Um, 
Then in midfield, no doubt on the right, Andy Yerum, and on the left, Baba Rahman. So deeper midfield role, I would go for Tom McIntyre. Yeah, and then uh, in midfield, I think uh, I would go also for um, Tom Ince. Um, overall, I think he, he was one of the more consistent player, uh, con- uh, players with the most consistent performances. And um, yeah, difficult to say who, who can play along him in, in a more offensive role. I still got to believe that Obi Ijaria uh, is capable of doing well for us and, and um, covering the form he had once he arrived. So I don't know, maybe it would be worse to give him a try or to give that pot to Therese Forna. And up front, um, yeah, I think I would, would probably give the combination of Jaco Meite and Shane Long start but that's also difficult to say because um if Lucas Jao is in form then he gets no doubt that he should start um and if you get Andy Carroll uh if, if he stays for a longer period then I'm pretty sure that he deserves also to start so it's difficult we, we have at least we can call ourselves a bit lucky that we have uh, four strikers that that are nearly playing on the same level so um yeah but that's that's more or less the the um kind of nation i would choose i'm pleased you said three five two and i'm pleased you said shane long because we've not lost when shane long has been in a pairing this season (laughs) now people argue that's been very few games but it's still a lucky omen i think so that's that's worth holding on to um i mean you've answered that really well it's a stunning question um, you know, fantastic answer as well. I looked at this from a kind of a five-a-side team. So who's the core of the team for me? Um, and I went Lumley, Hutchinson, Ince, Mate and Long um, with Hoylet as my sixth man because I can't not leave him out because he's so, you know, versatile and, and brilliant and just incredible. So that was what I went with from a from a five-a-side point of view. But it's it's a very, very difficult question to answer. Um, so thank you very much for that, Valdemar. We appreciate tough questions on this show, as you well know. Um, Wimby, uh, very good friend of the show, uh, and site, says, Jal, sell or keep in January? What are you saying, Marco? Also a difficult one. I mean, I would say that uh, we could have got a, a higher price for him uh, in, in recent times, so... Um, in terms of money, I think uh, there might be better moments to to sell him. On the other hand, he will be, I think if I'm not wrong, he's out of contract in, in the end of the season. So um would be the last the last moment to sell him, to get some money from him. Um, usually, if someone who runs out of contract uh, goes into the final part of the season, I, I would have I would hope for to to clear the situations during the winter break in the sense that you give him a new contract or you sell him, uh, especially if he's not playing week in, week out. So, um, yeah, if if there are no real signs that Lucas Zhao might might stay with us over over summer of 2023, then um, if, if we get a good offer, then I would probably sell him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think realistically, based on his current form and, and the way he's been playing um, this season in general, unless he goes on a scoring spree from kind of December to, to mid-January, no one's coming in for him when they know they can pick him up for free at the end of the season. 
Um, I would be I'd be very, very surprised if he stays beyond this season. I, I really would. I can't see the club wanting to um, offer him a new contract and I can't see him taking that at this stage of his career. Now, we've probably missed the boat on selling him. I think the time probably to shift him would have been this previous uh, pre-season, just gone, uh, kind of heading into this season. But I, I, I can't see him... Uh, anyone putting any kind of money on the table for him um, in, in January. And this, as I said, he, he kind of starts scoring. Um, but it, it's difficult. You know, he he's one of, at the current crop, he's he's probably one of the nicest, um, most genuine players at the club, I would say. he He's such a nice guy. Um, but it, it's just frustrating because, he, you know, he goes through fits and starts with, with performances and, and work great, really. And, and I know he infuriates a lot of Reading fans, but there is there is a player in there somewhere. Um, and he's, you know, over the course of his Reading career, he's done okay for us. And I think it's it's very easy to to forget that, really. Um, next question from Scott. Uh, he says, which players are we most at risk of losing in January? And I guess Scott's coming from a, a sale point of view or potentially, you know, clubs cancelling loans. So who, who are we looking at, Marco, that, that we think we might lose in January? Well, due to his contact, first I would say Andy Carroll, no? Um, but yeah, like we said before, Lucas Zhao is definitely a player we have to look at. Um, and I would say any any of the players that only have a contract on, until the summer is, is obviously uh, someone who, who could be moving. Um, yeah, I, I think... Some of these players who who are who haven't found uh, so much space to, to play Dejan Tetek, maybe it's there also to name um, or Obi Ejaria. Um So yeah, but uh, I would also to if you compare it to to other seasons, uh, I don't know. I feel a bit more relaxed than than in other years because it's not that you have to fear uh, to lose. Uh, Many of your key players. I think the the the, the team is well structured. We we have a solid uh, solid defense. We have some players like like Tom Holmes, like Tom McIntyre, um, Shane Long, who where you you know they and the year them they they will definitely stay there. No, there's no risk that they might lose and they they might leave. And uh, so I don't I don't expect many of our players to 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 leave. And I don't expect that there will be big movements um, in terms of, of bringing also players in. So I, I wouldn't expect to 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 see more than two players leave us. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point about you know players leaving because, like you said, I don't I don't see huge uh, huge movement in the squad. Um, I think the obvious one is is Andy Carroll, uh, like he did last year. Um, you know, we, we know he's only joined until January, but as Ince said at the weekend, it's not it's not his decision. It will be sort of Andy Carroll and, and his agent's decision calling the shots. So, you know, we, I think we're, we're fully expecting him to, to leave again. Um, whether or not we can replace him, I don't know. Uh, whether or not we can try and bring some, some youth through in January, I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, but I think you're right. I think... It's it's going to be slim pickings in January for, for all clubs. Um, but Carol seems the one most most likely to go. Um, nearly there with the mailbag. We've got Dan Yost who's come in with a question. And it says, between Alex Ray and Pownan's chief assistant, who we established earlier, 
was Marko Mitrovic. Uh, we've seen a run of, and I won't say this word, but uh, shall we say stronger coaches uh, on the touchline. Do you think this is a positive, negative or negligible difference over the course of a season? Um I mean, I, I, I guess from my point of view, it's an improvement on Jose Gomez's assistant, who was, well, I mean, he was he was out of control some games, you know, very, very difficult to, to manage his own emotions, which I think had detrimental effect on the performance of the team. Um, I mean, how, how do you view Alex Ray, Marco? Do you, do you view him as a kind of a, a positive influence on the touchline, uh, negative or, 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 you know, nothing really? Well, if you, if you compare him to Marco Mikrovic, like, um... We've had before then well from the point of view of a player i don't know i i always uh, felt then if, if if the 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 gaffer the manager the coach outside is is reacting in the way uh like like um Marko Mitrovic did uh then uh for me it would have been probably too much so it wouldn't have had a, such a positive influence uh on my own performance but uh, also on the team and, and in the end i would also say on the referee because if you if you're complaining all the time then uh the referee might uh take a decision also um uh, against your favor because you're complaining all the time so um i generally don't like manager or coaches that are uh, overactive um in relation to Alex Rare, I I still got the feeling that he's he's behaving in a in a in a positive manner. Gives you also um, um, the idea that um, Paul Ince is like more or less um, quiet uh, on the sidelines, and and he's he's sometimes the one who gives more instructions. Uh, for now, I would say. Um, Especially as a combination, especially as a system of all ins, um, he's he's doing a good job. I, I would say that I'm I'm quite positive or happy about the way um, he's he's filling his role as assistant manager, and um, and the most important thing is that he is like it looks like a team. You know? the way he is um, he is um, behaving on the sidelines together with Paul Ins. Uh, they're uh, they they always um, discuss things. They always talk about who to bring, uh, what to change. So um, for me, that's the most important thing. Also, that you kind of have a feeling that these two uh, persons work good together and and um, don't give too much instruction during the game because uh, sometimes that that can have also an negative. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point about affecting the referees, isn't it? Because the last thing they want to see is is kind of coaches and, and managers going ballistic on the touchline. Um, you know, they, they were both, you know, in some way, very uh, combative midfielders when they were playing, um, you know, they each other for a long time. And it's interesting because when he talked to Alex Ray, he's very, very softly spoken, very, very unassuming, very quiet, you know, almost gentle in some respects, really, the way he, he gets his points across. But it, it, it's nice to see that level of, of, of commitment, I suppose, on the touchline. Um, but you're right, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier about Jose Gomez and, you know, his assistant, but also Mark Mitrovic could could kind of go over the line a little bit. And we we, we don't want to see that, really. Um, so it's it's interesting. I mean, ultimately, if we stay up, then they've, they've done their job for the season, really. Um, but it's it's whether or not that can have um, 
you know, a positive effect even more moving forward on on, on the team and, and how they, you know, perform performing games really. Um last question, uh, and that this is coming from Louisa, and she says, Who is your standout player of the season so far? Um, so Marco, I'll let you uh kick back. <laughs> um well difficult to say because so there's not that single player that stands out because he has scored uh, so many goals or performed uh, so much better than all the others. I think what we've seen pretty much uh, um, during the whole season are, are performances, good team performances, where um, it was many times difficult to pick a single player out for player of the match. So same would go for player of the season. Um, at that point, I, I would say that Tom Holmes has definitely good chances. Um, obviously, in his position, uh, the 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 way he's playing is not spectacular. But um, to see a local guy uh, leading, sometimes also with the cap number, um, leading the defense, um, having seen how much he has improved and uh, with how much passion he is performing, um, I think he's definitely. Uh, someone who, who who will will there be will be there up front um, to to have a chance to win it. Um, you could also think about someone like Tom Inns, who sometimes, like against Hull, has uh, shown some weaker performances, but definitely has been also some some uh, an activity a point of activity up front there. Uh, someone who has a very positive influence on our offensive play. And, and you never know. There can be also surprises like like uh, maybe Amadou Mbenge. Um, if he keeps performing the way he does, if he then scores uh, two or three goals more, then you never know. So difficult to say uh, for now, but um, to me it seems that it might be more probable to, to see someone from the defense win that um, instead of some... Um, player who's, who's scoring 10-20. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at it now and, and if the season ended, you know, if this was the last game of the season, we were talking about end of season, then for me, there's only one man and that's Tom Ince. Um, You know, he'd walk away with the player of the season right now. We we, we, we win uh, when he plays well. We don't do very well when he doesn't play well. But So for, for me, he's he's the standout. I mean, I, I would say that that Joe Lumley has recovered incredibly well from that horror show up at Rotherham at the at the start of the season. So for me, he's he's kind of probably the most improved player that we've had. Um, Holmes, you mentioned, you know, has been very very good this season when when potentially that that wouldn't have been the case. And obviously Hoyler, you know, I, I know I'm slightly biased, but his his flexibility and um, you know his kind of fluidity in position has been a real asset to the team. Um, but but really for me, there's only one answer, and that's that's Tom Ince. Um, we're going to have a little look at a, a preview, now, a slightly different preview, because normally we'd we'd look at the next game. But since as as that's a month away, Marco, I thought we'd we'd get into um, to a preview of the World Cup. So we're going to hear from our sponsors, and then we will be back with a very brief preview of the World Cup. Be loud and be proud and back the boys and make some noise. Come on, you Oz! Shout out to this week's podcast sponsor, ZCZ Films, showing that age is no barrier to being a hooli hoop. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, we've got three players representing us at, uh, at the World Cup. We've got uh, Loom for Senegal. We've got Baba Rahman for Ghana. Sadly, no year done this time. Um, and we've got Hoyler for Canada. 
Um, I mean, let's, let's talk about those teams in isolation to start with. So, you know, Senegal find themselves in Group A. Uh, they've got Qatar, Ecuador and the Netherlands. Um, what, what, do you, what do you make of that group and, and the chances of Loom coming up uh, against England or more likely uh, Wales, who will obviously win the group, Marco, as, as everyone knows? Um, <laughs> so uh, what, what do you make of his chances of, of getting out the knockout stages out of that group? But, but so if, if Senegal would win their group, they would face England. <laughs> um, well, it, it's difficult to say. I mean, in the, in the Group A of, of Senegal, um, there's like the big favourites are uh, Netherlands. So um, it would surprise me if, if they wouldn't win that group. And in the second spot will be interesting to see. I mean, um, I don't think Senegal are, are at least not inferior of, of Ecuador. And should be also favourites when they face Qatar. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who's who's getting um, who who will reach the, the second spot. If I, I have to say, I needed to inform myself a bit, a bit more uh, about the World Cup to to um, be ready to answer that question. Um, so as Senegal are facing Netherlands in their first match. Um, they got the opportunity to to surprise there. If they would get a point out of that, then I would go for them as an a second place team. And uh, yeah, so I definitely think they have a chance to to um, to reach that second that second spot that would be necessary to to move forward. And uh, yes, pretty much the same. Well, Canada's group is more difficult with Belgium and, and Croatia and um, and Ghana's group yeah I would say that Portugal and Uruguay are there the favourites <laughs> and um, even South Korea is, is, is not a team you should underrate so um, yeah I think out of these three nations where, where the Royals are playing for um, Senegal might have better of a chance to, to reach the, the next round. Yeah, I mean, I would completely agree with you. I, th- I think Senegal probably got just enough individual quality to get out of the group, um, you know, and, and who they play. <laughs> Obviously, from, from Group B, is it's going to be hotly contested over the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, you, you're right. When you look at Canada, and, and that is a very, very difficult group to get out of. You know, even Morocco uh, and, and no strangers to, to knock out football. So, you know, that, that's going to be very difficult for, for, for Junior and the rest of his squad there. Ghana, you know, again, it, it's tricky because you look at Portugal and Uruguay and think, okay, well, they've they've probably got enough to to get out of there. Um, but even when you look at the knockout stages, if if somehow Ghana and Canada get through, you know, I, I, I don't fancy Canada playing, you know, either either yourselves, Germany, or what you'd imagine to be Spain out of that group. Um, and and Ghana, you know, they're looking at, at, at probably either a game against Brazil or. Again, tough one to predict, but, but probably Cameroon. Um, and that, that's going to be difficult for them, really. So it, it's going to be an interesting World Cup. Um, we, you know, we've got you on, overseas correspondent. How do you how do you rate uh, your chances of, of not only getting out of your group, but also progressing in the tournament? What, what do you make of, of Germany's chances, Marco? Well, I would say that in terms of the technical or the, the players are with their technical ability, um, we got pretty strong squad. I mean, if you if you look at players that can can play um, the offensive line, you have 
someone like uh, Serge Nabri, Leroy Sané, um, you have um, Jamal Musiala, and behind someone like Leon Goretzka or um, or Joshua Kimmich. So um, my doubts are more in in relation to the defensive play and also to the stability because um, over the recent month and and um, matches I've seen. Um, they were always like performing one game positively than one game with with performing a like a, a bit a bit um yeah ceaseless i would say um so um they they will definitely need to to uh be more solid in their and more balanced in their play in their game overall and being in the group of spain is always difficult because um, if you lose that game, that direct uh, that direct match against them, then you are already under pressure, and uh, so that's that's definitely uh, a situation to be aware of. So um, Germany starts against Japan; that's a must-win. And having in mind that Japan has also some real quality players, so you should not underestimate them as well. Um, yeah, I I would expect Germany, of course. To 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 reach the, the quarters or the semifinals at least, um, and in such a tournament, it's it's difficult to say. Um, I I don't see that that one nation that's that's ahead of all the others. So um, I would say that, like always, there are five, six, seven countries that that have such a strong squad that that it can compete for for the winning the title. But uh, in the end, it will depend also who they face in the in the in the um, after the group stages, um, who who they face, um, which players are injured, and how their run of form is. So um, I wouldn't rule out that they could reach the finals, but my expectations are more in relation to semi-finals. I would say that's the, the realistic. It's, I think you're right. It's going to be a very, very difficult tournament to predict. And um, it's it's so bizarre, the whole thing, really, that, you know, a lot of us will be watching the the, the, the final with, with a Christmas tree uh, nearby. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's bizarre to me. That really is. But look, it's 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 massive for, for me and, and other Wales fans. You know, it's been a long time uh, since we've been there. Uh, we're going to try and enjoy it and, and do the best we can. Aim is to get out of the group and, and fingers crossed we can do that, really. Um so yeah, wherever you're watching it, whatever you're doing, whatever your views on it, try and try and enjoy it for the for the football and you know focus on the the positives that our our beloved game brings to us. Really, um, that's it. That's 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 us done and dusted for a couple of weeks. Really, there will be a lot of content, uh, both written and, and and probably a few cheeky podcasts here and there on on the on the Tyler End site as well. We've got a few things lined up for you um, that hopefully you'll enjoy during this uh, Reading FC less break. Um, Sims just put an article up kind of reviewing our, our current season, which is, you know, is average at best, really, but give it a, a, a read because he, he likes people doing that. Um, I'm going to be doing a column about Canada football, uh, which is going to be interesting, kind of toilet watch, really, because what else would I do in this time? Um, and there's, there's going to be other articles and, and bits and bobs. So, you know, thank you so much for your support uh, this season so far. Um, Marco, thank you so much for, for joining me uh, this evening, where it's, it's obviously getting very late in, in Germany. <laughs> thanks Ben for having me thanks everyone who participate and supports supports us and yeah it was was like always a pleasure
And all that remains to be said is that we currently lie at 12th, slap bang in the middle of the table with 29 points after 21 games played, winning nine of those matches, which, to be honest, is probably a little bit beyond our wildest dreams at the start of this season. Enjoy the break, uh, look after yourselves, and we will see you just before the Coventry game on the 10th of December. Come on, you ours.